It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Happy Friday. Yes. Mary Walter sitting in the seat for Brian Kilmeade. I'm so glad to be back. And you know what? Brian deserves some time off, and I'm glad he finally took it. Um, We all need time off every now and then. You can't be working all the time. We have a really exciting show for you. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to be joined by Dr. Quanta Ahmed, pulmonologist who's treated COVID-19 patients at NYU Langone as a visiting fellow at the Independent Women's Forum as well. And at, uh, let's see, uh, in about half an hour, Cal Thomas will be joining us. You know, Cal, uh, he has a very interesting theory about how the president can respond to the riots and the protests that we're seeing and how he can maybe turn this into in his favor. Because right now, you know what, his, his poll numbers are plummeting and people think Joe Biden is the person who can handle this better than Donald Trump, the president who gave us record low unemployment number for minorities, and Joe Biden, who gave us the 1994 crime bill. How's that? So uh, Cal has a very interesting theory, and I'm really excited to talk to him about that. Let's talk, though, about uh, yesterday, the Attorney General, William Barr, Bill Barr, uh, was talking about the groups behind some of the protests that we're seeing that are turning from peaceful protests with people who mean well, with people who are justifiably outraged by what we saw on that video with George Floyd. It was terrible. It was awful. I will tell you, I couldn't even watch the whole video. I couldn't. I, I, I heard too many people talk about it. And I said, OK, I have to watch part of this because it's my job, but I don't need to see this. And I don't want to see him watch a man die. That's it's just I don't want that in my brain forever. Um, so but the I, I think people have a legitimate gripe in the sense of they're outraged at this man's death. And so they go out there to peacefully protest to get their message across. And then it's hijacked by groups of people. We hear stories, especially in New York. And, and also there was Massachusetts as well. There was an interesting story about this where people are coming in in cars. There's carloads of people. Some of them don't have license plates. Some of them are rental cars. Some of them are stolen. And they gather And in New York, they were pulling up to a business. They were getting out with bags of tools, you know, crime, crime tools, you know, burglar bag to, to break into these businesses, looting them. And then the call comes, the car comes back and picks them up. It's, it's like a car service for rioters. They have like their own Uber or Lyft or something like that, their own car service. They come back and pick them up and they throw all their stuff in the, the van, the SUV that comes to get some and drops them off. And they must do this all over the city in, in Boston, Outside of Boston, excuse me, outside of Brookline, Massachusetts, there were two malls that they thought were going to get hit. So the cops were guarding the two malls. And at both malls, they noticed cars, SUVs, that started to circle the um, the malls. And they, they met up in a corner. And so they called in reinforcements. And they looked at some of these cars. Again, no license plates. Some did come back as stolen. And others were rentals. Now, I would think you can probably find out who rented that van. Or that SUV, if you get the license plate and you go back to who rented and said, who, whose license is this? And, and, and that could now, if they, didn't, if they didn't vandalize the mall, they didn't commit a crime. 
but it's it's just good information to have, I think. Um, and I don't know if they can give it to you without a warrant. I have no idea how that works, but I'm just saying you should be able to find out who these people are. There's got to be a lot of license plates on camera all from all over this country where crimes were being committed. So back to our attorney general. Uh, William Barr yesterday, he was speaking and he was talking about Antifa and similar groups that were involved in the looting and evidence they may have to identify them. Such senseless acts of anarchy are not exercises of First Amendment rights. They are crimes designed to terrify fellow citizens and intimidate communities. There are groups that exploit the opportunity to engage in such crimes as looting. We have evidence that Antifa and other similar extremist groups have been involved in instigating and participating in the violent activity. There are some groups that don't have a a particular ideology other than anarchy. So we are dealing with, as I say, a witch's brew. It makes me feel good to know that the the feds law enforcement led by bill Barr and others who i trust is trying to get to the bottom of who is behind all of this somebody's funding this you hear the stories about pallets of bricks being dropped off in cities somebody's paying for those bricks somebody's paying for someone to deliver them you're here you heard stories out of minneapolis where they were finding incendiary incendiary devices left around the city and they were asking citizens to look for them Who's planting them? Somebody's doing it. And don't tell me they're not organized. I think they're organized on a local level, Antifa is, but there has to be someone at the top who's pulling the strings and funding. The money has to be coming from somewhere. And I would assume it's how they brought down Al Capone, right? Follow the money. And uh, well, I brought down Al Capone from the IRS. If we could figure out who they are and stick the IRS on them, they'll be in jail by, you know, Monday. Um, you can't keep money from the IRS. So so I, I, I want the feds to follow the money. I want the feds to find out who this is because someone is, is, is destroying this country. And again, if you're, if you're a protester, a, 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 a peaceful protester, good for you. I, I, I will never take away your right to peacefully protest. I do believe that I have the right to take away your alleged right or perceived right to steal something that is not yours, to destroy something that is not yours, and to just kill families because these people can't pay their bills. They can't feed their families. When you destroy their lives, you don't have that right. Uh, let's go. Steve, who just called in uh, on Long Island, listening on WRCN. Steve, good morning. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Good. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really feel with uh, regarding the government shutdown that's going on, the forced shutdown where businesses can't open, um, the, the mayors and the government have more of an obligation to protect these stores that are for, forced to be closed by these looters. And people like uh, Mayor de Blasio, they are not fulfilling their obligation to protect these these businesses um, by having police not engage these uh, looters because they're afraid of in- interacting with the protesters. And it's really despicable that these unfortunate uh, business owners aren't able to go out and protect their business. And it's just it's just an absolute shame. You know, it's it's a great point, Steve. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. It, 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 he's right. And where is this happening in Democrat cities? 
and states where they have taken the Second Amendment right away from so many of their citizens, the right to defend yourself, because the cops can't be everywhere. People who support the Second Amendment say that they will say, you know, when seconds count, the cops are only minutes away. You can't fault them for not being standing, you know, not, not standing in your driveway ready to defend you just in case something happens. You have to you have the right to defend yourself, except in these more liberal areas where they have made it so onerous and so difficult to do. Most people don't do it because it is such a pain in the butt. Uh, and, and, it, and you have so many hoops to jump through. He brought up Mayor Bill de Blasio. Here is the mayor defending the lockdown. Listen to what he says, though, about their right to protest. When you see a nation, an entire nation, simultaneously grappling with an extraordinary crisis seated in 400 years of American racism, I'm sorry, that is not the same question as the understandably aggrieved store owner or the devout religious person who wants to go back to services. He was justifying, he was asked about allowing these people to protest. And what about social distancing? What about coronavirus? What about, you know, all these things that we have to keep the rest of us who are law abiding aren't allowed to do because of the laws that have been put in place or the executive orders that have been put in place by his majesty, uh, the mayor. And you heard him defend their right. He he personally feels that their right to protest or riot or whatever it happens to be supersedes your First Amendment rights. So what he's saying is that the First Amendment, you know, has an asterisk after it, that if I agree with what the reason why you want to use your First Amendment, if I agree with it, then you can go ahead and do it. But if I disagree with it, then um, it's not the same. And I'm going to keep your churches shut down. And, and I'm going to keep your stores shut down, a grieved store owner. How about that store owner's right to, to earn a living? You can't deprive them of their ability to feed their family. I just don't understand how that's legal. And you can keep strangling these people to the point where they're not going to come back anymore. They're not going to come back. And then what happens to the workers who live in a lot of these inner cities that you're claiming to protect? They don't have jobs. Now they can't feed their families. They had jobs. We have the lowest unemployment rate among minorities under President Trump just in January. Look where we are now. It didn't take long. And, and then you wonder why these people are angry and, and, and protesting. And people, people tweeted out, this is exactly what suppression of the First Amendment by an oppressive authoritarian state looks like. That's by uh, Pradeep Shankar. You had uh, Tammy Bruce. My God, he's judging it based on what he thinks of the people involved. Bill de Blasio defends ongoing lockdown, but prote- lockdown, protesting and going to church are not the same. So he sees your First Amendment rights in shades of, of, I guess, value. He values or he doesn't value it. Uh, quickly in Orlando, Anton on News 96.5. Good morning. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi. You're doing an amazing job, first of all. Thank you. Um, and you're welcome. And I just wanted to say, you know, uh, listening to President Trump talk, uh, what, last uh, couple nights ago, he talked about how, this was an act of domestic terrorism. So yes. terrorism, the, these riots and whatnot, especially one that gets a little violent. So why don't we charge them for that? Charge them as a domestic uh, a terrorist. And I'm pretty darn sure this would quickly stop if they knew that they were going to be charged like that once 
uh, once they're caught. Yeah, that's and I would love to see him crack down. Thank you so much, Anton. Appreciate your call. I, I don't know exactly what is involved in that. I would think that you would have to designate them a terrorist group first, which I don't think has been done. And then 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 I think you can charge him. I don't know. I don't think I have no idea how that works. Let's just leave it at that. I have I have like my my suspicion as to how it works, but I'm not 100 percent sure. So that's a question for someone else. Uh, but it's a great question. Coming up, we're going to be joined by Dr. Quanta Ahmed, uh, who is a pulmonologist, has treated COVID-19 patients, and she is a visiting fellow at the Independent Women's Forum that is coming up next. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade and joining us now is Dr. Kanta Ahmed. She is a pulmonologist who has treated COVID-19 patients at NYU Langone and also she's a visiting fellow at the Independent Women's Forum. Dr. Ahmed, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Great to be with you, Mary. Thanks. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, my husband is also a pulmonologist and an ICU physician. So he was up to his eyeballs in um, in COVID patients at one point, not probably about a month or so, about a month ago, maybe a little bit long, more than that. So I, I hear a lot about this, and I and I understand a lot about it. What I um, found so interesting is out in Missouri, uh, over Memorial Day weekend, Missouri opened up and they got a lot of criticism for opening up because these states that are opening up and not adhering to the world, uh, the, the WHO guidelines or the CDC guidelines, there, there was a lot of criticism lobbed at them. And we also saw pictures of the Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, where people were crowding into swimming pools and, and they were on boats and they were swimming together and they were partying on boats. And you saw the pictures and a lot of tut-tutting and finger-wagging about how there was there's no social distancing, they're not wearing masks. And now we find out that there are no new COVID-19 cases. Everybody predicted a surge after Memorial Day and there are new no, there are no new uh, COVID-19 patients from that. What happened? How did that happen? That's interesting because I was just reading this morning, there's a 12% increase in cases in, uh, in uh, Minneapolis where the protests are happening. 
So uh, I, I, I can't explain that. And um, first of all, thank you for your sacrifice as a family member of an ICU physician. That's what I was doing for 50 days. It's an incredible sacrifice for the families and for the physicians that were dealing with this. And I'm sure your husband will probably share my sentiments. Seeing these scenes, not just of the Ozarks, but the protests and the riots and the, the contact the police has to have with the public, the uh, protesters being corralled when they have to be taken away or arrested or detained. This is an ignition. This is an ignition to a super spreading event nationally. Now, yesterday, we reached zero deaths related to coronavirus in New York, the first time since the beginning of March. That is three months of, the, of society trying to arrest this pandemic. And now we are seeing in over 147 cities, mass gatherings, public gatherings, no social distancing, no social distancing possible, tear gas, coughing, shouting, screaming, singing. We've just seen astonishing scenes from the George Floyd Memorial, the first of three. There, it is impossible to think that this does not cause a spike in cases. Now, with the Ozarks, it's possible there was already a degree of immunity. We did studies early on in New York where um, uh, we surveyed people from all over New York State, and we found that 21% of New Yorkers already had antibodies. So there has been exposure, and people are developing antibodies. But that is no, uh, that does not reassure me at all. And like your husband, I also spent 50 days rotating in an ICU, and I do not want to go back there because of the level of death and risk and yeah. suffering. And as a physician, I understand, and as an American, the need to protest and the egregious killing of George Floyd and what he represents, not only to us now, but in the history of this kind of violence. But it just is unacceptable. I looked after so many patients dying who died. The families could not assemble at the graveside. The families yeah. could not assemble at the wake, the cremation, the burial. This is intolerable for me, intolerable. And, and we've had our political leaders in New York at each other's throats and also inviting protests. How can you invite protests when the United States has had more cases than anywhere else in the world? Almost 2 million cases in this country, 6.7 million in the whole world. In New York, in New York itself, we've had nearly 29,000 deaths. That is 10 9-11s since March. Okay, so so there's a lot there's a lot to unpack here. So my niece graduating is supposed to be graduating from Villanova. I'm a proud Villanova family, so I had to put that in. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. She didn't have her graduation, but she did. Uh, she's down there. You know, she was at, she was, she's senior, living off campus with her roommates, and they, they all came back and they all lived there and, you know, had a great time. And she showed pictures of them having a, a graduation party. And I said, it doesn't look like you're social distancing. And my sister-in-law chimed in and said, they already all tested positive. They all had it. But none of them were sick. Right. The people who are rioting in New York and in these inner cities tend to be, from the looks of it, late teens, early 20s. 
isn't that the cohort we want to get infected with coronavirus? Because that that is the group that is most likely to not have any symptoms at all, or just maybe just have very mild symptoms. And isn't that a positive to get them that immunity that we do have them become infected? So Mary, that's a super smart observation. And here's my concern. And I wrote about it in my op-ed in the New York Daily News about this two days ago. Just very quickly, we only have 30 seconds. Yes, it's the the people rioting, particularly during the destruction, seem to be millennial and post-millennial. And many of them, the majority of them, but not all of them, are people of color. Dr. Kanta, I hate to do this to you. We got to run. I'm so sorry. We ran out of time. I'm so, so sorry. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade and joining us now, Cal Thomas, syndicated columnist, author of America's Expiration Date, The Fall of Empires and Superpowers, and the Future of the United States. You can find him on Twitter at, at Cal Thomas. Cal, thank you for joining us. Well, Mary, nice to be with you. The president was with Brian on Wednesday. And I want you to hear what he had to say uh, about law enforcement, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Here's the president. 70% of white Americans say they trust the local police. Only 36% of African Americans do. How do you attack that problem? How do you change things? Well, I think it's a very sad problem. As you know, as a Republican, I'm doing very well with African Americans and with the vote. Uh, with uh, in polls and everything, especially. I mean, I haven't seen one very recently because you had the plague come in from China, so that changed things up. But we had the best economy ever. We had the best numbers for African-American unemployment and unemployment in history, best home ownership, best everything. We had the best numbers in everything, not only African-American, but the African-American well, numbers were But how do you handle great. the law enforcement part of this? Well, I think you have to get better than what they've been doing. All right. So you heard what the president had to say there. They have to get better than what they've been doing. It's very nebulous. um, And a lot of people saying, "Okay, well, what do we have to change? And I think the first question is, is there really a problem when it comes to policing with the African-American community? uh, When you look at the statistics, then number one, but number two. okay, so what do you change? You had a very interesting suggestion. Well, I, I went back and uh, looked at the contract with America that Newt Gingrich and uh, Dick Armey, uh, Republican leaders in the House at the time, uh, created. And uh, it helped propel them to a majority in the House of Representatives for the first time in 40 years, as you know. So I'm suggesting, I'm writing a column about this for next week right now for my newspapers, a contract with black America. And this would be very specific. It wouldn't be nebulous. It wouldn't be general. Uh, It wouldn't be uh, just talking points about who commits the most crimes, who kills whom, what race is most guilty, and the rest. It would be specific. And one of the major, uh, the central points I want to make is we need more recruiting from the African-American community, from neighborhoods, police officers who patrol the very neighborhoods they grew up in. Secondly, We've got to push through school choice. Now, it's amazing to me that the former racist governor of Alabama, George Wallace, who stood in the schoolhouse door in in the early 60s to keep African-Americans out, 
We now have Democrats standing in the schoolhouse door of failed government schools trying to keep them in. A key to success and independence is a good education. And the Democratic left won't allow school choice, though they favor choice on abortion, because they're getting contributions from the teachers' unions. So those are two elements. There will be more. But I think there's a way to fix this. And uh, the churches need to be involved, too. Uh, the late Senator Mark Hatfield's uh, office many years ago took a survey, uh, this is back in the 60s, and found that if every church in America became responsible for one family, just a church for one family, on welfare or government assistance to help them get off by whatever need, means it would take, it would, it, would, it would cure the welfare problem overnight. So this is not a problem that, that lacks solutions. It's a problem that lacks will. Yeah, and, and I thought about this a lot after you had first um, mentioned this on Thursday. We were talking about this, you and I. And um, and I thought about it. I, you know, I like it even more so because the president has made a really good point of saying that, you know, this I'm not just for black Americans, I'm not just for white Americans, I'm for all Americans. And so I, I would like to maybe see a contract with America part two, not just black yeah. Americans, but America, because this idea, the left puts us into these buckets and 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 they have very successfully divided us based on skin color, which they say they abhor that we're all the same. But yet they divide us based on skin color. They they divide us based on gender. And then there's that you know thirty seven other buckets for the other thirty seven genders, and, yeah. and 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 other these other immutable characteristics, you know. Uh, and, and when we have protected classes, and then we have protected language, and all this stuff that they have made all these weird rules for. And I the president saying a, bl- a contract with black America, to me, is somewhat insulting to everyone else, that they're going to have a special contract. So I kind of would almost like to see Contract with America Part 2. And we're all Americans. We're not black and white. Like, he wants unemployment for, he wants unemployment rates low for all Americans, not just special groups of Americans. So that's the only only tweak I would make. Yeah, well, the the first thing is, this is what Barack Obama said. He said there's not a black America or white America. There's one America, and I certainly agree with that. But but what you have from a political standpoint right now is a focus on the African-American community, and more people need to understand the history. I'm I'm reading uh, uh, Henry Louis Gates' newest book on... uh, Basically, the the history of uh, of African Americans and slavery it's it's really amazing. I mean, I knew some of the things, but not all of them. And so, I think we need to focus on a group that the Democrats have held really captive for over forty years. In a speech in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, in twenty sixteen, uh, which he called a New Deal for Black America. Here's what here's what candidate Donald Trump said: Every African American citizen in this country is entitled to a government that puts their jobs, wages, and security. First, I'm asking today for the honor of your vote and the privilege uh, to represent you as your president, and I will not let you down. You watch. Now he hasn't. I mean, uh, before the virus, African-American unemployment was the lowest it's been in history. Uh, Wages were up. Uh, All kinds of factors were up. We're seeing new numbers come out today. Uh, The Dow futures were up over 500 points as uh, as the market opened this morning, and this is going to mean more jobs. We're going to recover economically. And what the president said in 2016 was, look, you voted for the Democrats over 40 years. Why don't you try something different? And I agree with that. And I think we need to target them uh, in, a, in a positive way and break the uh, addiction so many of them have to the Democrat Party. It is. It, it is. It's, just, it's kind of like people who support their union no matter what. But they're not mm. helping you get a job. They're not helping you. They have you out on strike. 
I know. Let, let me just ask you this, Cal, before, before I lose you here. We're, we're running out of time with you. Um, in 2008, Gallup reported that 70% of non-Hispanic whites and 61% of blacks said that race, race relations between blacks and whites were very or somewhat good. Uh, that And the same numbers during George Bush's presidency. By 2015, only 45% of non-Hispanic whites and 51% of blacks said relations between the races were good. Why did the number go down under our first black president? Well, I think a lot of it has to do uh, with the media and the way they cover things or the way they don't cover things. As a mutual friend of ours always says, the greatest power of the media is the power to ignore. But there's something else, too. If you ask uh, an average white person, how many minority friends do you have? Have you ever invited them over to dinner? Uh, What is your church profile? Is it mostly white or is it mostly black? I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. used to say the most segregated hour of the day is Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. This is a problem not only for race relationships, but political relationships. We're all, as you mentioned, part of tribes, and we we don't talk to members of other tribes. So if we're talking about a United States of America, we better be uh, more about the job of uniting. Yeah. You're right. We have we do have to unite. But I just thought it was so interesting to see that number that under President Obama, it actually uh, got worse race relations. But again, uniting, that's another reason why I would love to see the president come out and say that I was thinking about doing the, you know, calling this, uh, you know, a compact with black America, black America. But I've decided that I don't want to divide us. This is a compact with all Americans that I want. I want to provide this to all of you. I'm going to be all of your presidents. I want to, you know, get you all jobs and, and the whole bit, because I just think that's so important. I, I, I got it. We got to stop calling people or treating people and judging them based on the color of their skin. It doesn't help any of us or anyone. Well, Cal, uh, I I think it's a fantastic idea. I hope the president hears this. I hope the president hears you with this idea. And I know you'll write about it and get it out there because I, I, I do think it is something to be really considered. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, Barry. Cal Thomas. I want to ask you, and I want you to give me a call. I want to ask you at 866-408-7669. What do you think about Cal's idea? Is the president doing enough for black America? And can the president maintain the black vote that he that he got in 2016? Or do you think that these these riots are are just a, a breaking point for the president and support among black America? How are you perceiving this? And, and last, I want to throw this in, too. Do you think if the president uh, does call in like the National Guard or the military into these cities and is seen as a law and order president, does that work for him or is that going to backfire on him? A lot of questions. 866-408-7669. Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want, truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Mary Walter and for Brian Kilmeade, we were just joined by Cal Thomas, and he floated the idea of a, a contract with America, kind of the reminiscent of Newt Gingrich's contract with America. But he said, you know, a contract with black America and what the president is going to do for African-Americans. And um, I would like to see it not 
be for, I like to say for, be for everybody. Why do why do we believe that African Americans want something different than the rest of us do? They want to feed their families. They want to live in peace. They want to have jobs, good jobs, right? They they want to contribute. I, I don't understand why it, it, we they in, the left insists on putting them in a, in a different category. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and would that do something for Black America? Do you think? Do you, and do you think the president can maintain the um, the black vote that he had in twenty sixteen, uh, or have the the riots just totally trashed that, uh, the left trying to capitalize on it. And I also asked um, if the president decides to send the military in, does that help him win votes? Is being seen as a law and order president, does that help him win votes? So a lot a lot to uh, unpack there. 866-408-7669. Let's go to Orlando and John. John, good morning. You're on Mornings on the Mall. Hi. Hey, hey good morning, Mary. How are you? Dr. I'm doing just Thanks great. For standing in. Thanks. Thanks for standing in for Brian. Uh, you know, I listen to you all once in a while, and I appreciate your show. But I do have a, a kind of, as a registered Republican and, and, and an African-American person, I don't see why President Trump has to address separate ethnic groups when he speaks. Mm-hmm. It's a problem, because then when you create that issue, you're dividing every side against each other. Yep. Speak to the people. We the people. You know, when, we, when we read we the people, that's why it doesn't say, Black America, white America, or gray America. It says we the people. So when you talk to us, talk to the group. Talk to everyone and make your statement for everyone to, to, to at least work together and, and, and solve the problem. The other issue is economics, okay? You know, there, there, are, there are some economic disparities between white America and black America. There, there, there are. We, we, should, we, mm-hmm. should, we should at least address that. And once you fix that problem, there's maybe somewhere in the middle you know, things will kind of settle itself and we, 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 we won't have all this division that we have right now. Yeah, you can you can put it even Cal address this, you know, with the schools, African-Americans, I think part of the part of the problem you see the income disability uh, disparity is because a lot of them are stuck in inner city schools with no choice. They can't send their kids to a private school or to maybe a, 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 a religious school on the other side of town because they're stuck going to these schools that that traditionally underperform. And that that robs their children of opportunity down the road. The president wants charter schools this and, and school choice, which is something that you think the African-American community would want because it really would benefit them. And I would love to see him address that. Let me ask you, John, what do you think about the black vote? The president seemed to be making inroads. Um, he, he did win a, a larger portion of the black vote in 2016 than he was expected to. And it did seem to be growing, especially with record low black unemployment. What do you see happening in November with everything that's gone on and just the last two months three months well the media first of all you know you have to also blame the media for how they twist their stories ver- you know in, in reference to the, to the black community okay and what you have is they're shifting more tor- towards the democratic side in a sense and that will propose an issue i think uh, you know in going going to the polls because some of the black communities are thinking well you know really nothing has happened look there have been some progression since he became president Things have been better for most most people, I would say. But the fact that we got hit with with, with, with this virus uh, in the last four or five months, it's, it's occurred. You know, no one wants to look back and see what I've done for you in the past. They only look and see what what are you doing for me now. And yeah, that's a good point. That's, that, that is the wrong approach to take. So between now and November, unless things change slightly for the better, we will have some issues based on on your comment. 
Interesting. John, thank you so much. I appreciate your call. And it's so funny that um, that Joe Biden, who did nothing for how many years was he a senator and then eight years as the vice president? What the heck did he do? Oh, the 1994 crime bill is what he did. I think that was the 1994 uh, crime mill bill, which resulted in large numbers of African-American men being incarcerated. But they're going to give him a chance. You know, Charlemagne the God goes, yeah, but he'll have the opportunity to, to prove himself now. Like, what? Now is when he's going to prove himself? What did he wait so long for? Uh, let's go to Bonnie, in, also in Florida. Bonnie, good morning. You're on, on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for filling in for Brian today. Great conversations this morning. Very intelligent, very, very informative. Um, I wanted to point out something I thought President Trump should do in his time, if I could get a hold of him and get somebody to give him this information. I went on a field trip with my child in elementary school to Washington, D.C., and what I noted there was the Jewish Holocaust Museum. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be really great if President Trump, during his time in office, maybe even before 2016, I'm sorry, well, 2020 election, um, well, I think 2020 is going to turn out like 2016 anyway, uh, if he could create a museum in Washington, D.C. to the African-American slavery movement, maybe come up with a very you know, good name for it, something like the African-American Holocaust Museum, look. Plenty of countries have had to live with their mistakes, and America is not individual for that. I mean, there are the Holocaust camps where they were located at in that country. If we could create something like that, where we could go over what slavery did to the African-American people and how it's progressed and how achievements have been won and important people— And, you know, what it did to affect America, I think it would be great. I did not even know that there is a place in Washington, D.C., where black people were buried without names and headstones because nobody even knew who they were or cared. These would be great places for the president to write down at this particular time, you know, heal or try to heal the nation. And it would be under his watch. But just so you know, there already is the National Museum of African American History and Culture. It's part of the Smithsonian uh, in Washington, D.C., and they have a large slavery and freedom exhibition as part of that museum. So that does already exist in Washington, D.C. So um, he wouldn't be able to do that. And I have to say, Bonnie, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'd have to say, I think people would see that as pandering. I don't know. I would rather see him, you know, put time and, and money towards... Uh, programs that would actually help a lot of people as opposed to a museum that probably a lot of people wouldn't be able to afford to go see. You know, how many people from, you know, who live in Detroit would be able to travel to Washington, D.C. to see a museum? Let's take the money and put it towards programs like school choice, you know, because that is going to cost money to give people vouchers uh, to to be able to choose a, a school that they want their child to go to. So I would I would rather see it go to something like that instead but that that's just me you know this is a conversation we're going to have a lot and is going to go on for a while and for better or for worse and we're going to have to address it as uncomfortable as it may be and it seems to come around every generation i'm mary walter in for brian kilmeade you're listening to the brian kilmeade show 
Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Good morning. Yes, Mary Walter sitting in the seat for Brian Kilmeade, who deserves a couple of days off, and he is taking those days. Uh, let's go right now to Lamont Johnson. He is a former NYPD police officer and also a government official from Hempstead, New York. Lamont, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. And and also, thank you for being a, a police officer. I had many, many friends, police officers, and I could never do your job because for, based on their stories, your job is to basically babysit stupid people all day and to prevent them from doing stupid things. That that's that, that is a great good portion of your job and I do not have the patience for that. So I'm so glad there are people who are willing to do things like that and deal with these insane people. So thank you. I appreciate it. I, I want you to hear this. Um, there is there is a, a section of Black Lives Matter, Matter where they're calling for defunding the police. And you'll see the hashtag defund the police rising on Twitter. It's trending. And, and you can you can actually when you donate to Black Lives Matter, you can black you can donate to that section to defund the police. That's where part of your money goes. And I don't know if people realize that. Here is the mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti talking about what his city, L.A., is doing to help defund the police. Those dollars need to be focused on our black community here in Los Angeles, as well as communities of color and women and people who have been left behind for too long. And will this involve cuts? Yes, of course, to every department, including the police department. So he's talking about cutting approximately $150 million dollars to redirect that fund to help the black community. How does cutting policing help the black community? I don't don't believe cutting the police helps any community. Everyone needs police officers. Everyone has had a car stolen, a house broken into, an accident report that had to be taken by the police. The police respond to everything. If if you have a baby, the police respond. If it's a fire, they respond. If their shots fired, instead of leaving, they have to go to the shots fired. The police are absolutely necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Society without police would, would be, be terrible. We need the police. Every well, community needs the police. We also know there is, I think it's a Harvard study that's coming out that shows that uh, when you deep, when after you have these encounters, these police encounters where, you know, an African-American person is killed, you have these riots that follow. Whenever you have a high profile incident like this with the police, studies now show that p- policing pulls back. In Chicago, they saw a 90 percent pullback with the police, with police interactions with civilians. In Baltimore, it was almost 100 percent pullback after after the, the riots there with Freddie. I think it was Freddie Gray in Baltimore, uh, almost 100 percent pullback pullback after those riots and what what filled that void because the police were pulling back and they're like you know okay they were they were afraid to to encounter and deal with it with the civilians 
what happened was what filled that vacuum was homicides. You have an increase in homicides in those very communities where the minorities live. So it actually hurts those communities, but no one has the guts to come up and say this. Why is that? Well, I know in Baltimore you had a record amount of homicides since the Freddie Gray incident. Yeah. You had a, a record amount of homicides. Like you said, the police were not responding or the police were not patrolling like they did in the past. So you had a record amount of homicides, a record amount of shootings. So obviously, it, that was a tragic incident. I don't want to take away from the incident, but what happened after that incident, the police did not want to become engaged. They did not want to become involved. And they didn't feel like they were wanted, and they did not respond, and you had that record amount of homicides. So the police are definitely needed in every community at all times. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think most people feel that way. And the majority, actually, of Americans do feel that way, that you, that you need police. Here is a, a retired NYPD Lieutenant Joe Cardinale. I'm sure you're familiar with him uh, on Fox and Friends. And he's talking about what's really going on here. I'd like to get your reaction to this. The public has to be careful what they're wishing for. They're not asking to defund the police, you know, the public. They're asking to get rid of the police. There is a big difference. California is going to get what they deserve if this happens. You cannot cut funding to the first line of defense for any city. All right. You need to increase it. If you want to do more training, come up with a plan, give them more training. But cutting back, absolutely not, because it's definitely going to be a disaster if they do. Yes. So are they really asking to just get rid of the police altogether? And if so, who's asking for this? Why? Well, I I believe it makes no sense. Like I've said several times, the police are needed in every community. I agree with the lieutenant. It would be in New York, for instance, it would be like the movie Escape from New York or a movie like I Am Legend. It would be total chaos without the police. I don't understand why anyone would say yeah. You have some police that have to learn, have to be trained to do a better job, but that's to throw out all the police. That would be a disaster. So so what what does this do to the morale among our police officers, who we do need, as you said? What, what does it do to their morale? Well, people have to understand that police officers risk their life every day. Yeah. This is not about white and black. They, they risk their life every day. They want to go home to their families. You have their family praying for them to make a safe return to home. It's a very difficult job. We deal with people sometimes in the worst situations. We don't deal with people when things are going well most of the time. Mm -hmm. We deal with people when things are going bad. And police officers need support. They They need everyone's support. They're doing a very difficult job, but perhaps one of the most difficult jobs in the United States is being a police officer. Yeah, I but I do think, and I, I don't know if they realize that it is a minority of people who are who are against them. Um, what about? I would like to get your take on uh, the response of politicians. For instance, Mayor De Blasio. It seems as if he's lost everyone because they were booing him yesterday. They were turning their back on him. Um, he's letting people run rampant in the city, and the police have asked for the president or the uh, governor to please send in reinforcements. Um, I know they don't really like him that much in New York. The the police don't. What do you think of his performance so far? Well, he has he has failed to support the police. He has failed to protect the citizens and the business owners in New York City. He, he has failed terribly. You have Saks Fifth Avenue, Madison Avenue. You have some of the biggest boutiques and 
Gucci and all these places. They were not protected. They were looted. They were broken into. He did not do a good job protecting the people. And he held the police back because the police know how to do the job. If you allow them to do it, they know how to do the job. New York City has one of the best police departments, probably the best police departments in the United States. And he held them back. He did not allow them to do their job. Yeah, this is audio here from George Floyd's brother uh, that when he was speaking about the protests and, and how they were handled. I understand y'all upset, but like it was already said, I doubt y'all half as upset as I am. So if I'm not over here wilding out, if I'm not over here blowing up stuff, if I'm not over here messing up my community, what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? Y'all doing nothing because that's not going to bring my brother back at all. And yet that message doesn't seem to get through. To me, it doesn't seem as if this is really about the death of George Floyd. This is just an opportunistic moment for people who want anarchy and their biggest target it is the cops because the cops are what stands between us and 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 lawlessness. That's why they are so important. And and I would think that as a cop, hearing that and seeing the the breadth and the depth of these riots, which we have never seen like this before in our country, it's got to be pretty scary because they're coming for you. Well, well, that that that, that is true. It's a very it's an anti police atmosphere that's going on right now. Several New York City police officers were hurt the past few nights. One yeah. was stabbed in the neck. One was uh, struck in the head with a brick. And so that's that's a concern for all police officers, their safety. They do their best to protect us, and we have to stop this anti-police mentality. So, so what do you think can be done now at this point to turn to to what what can be done differently? Everyone wants the cops to do something differently. They keep saying we have a problem with the way with the way uh, police do their job. And I I'm not a police officer, so I'm not going to criticize the way anyone does their job. If I don't do that job, I don't know enough about it to make that call. But other people feel they can. Are there changes that you think that could be made in order to um, to change the narrative to maybe address any, any kind of existing problems? Well, I believe it's more it's more up to the court systems, not the police officers and themselves. When the police officers do not do the correct thing, when the police officers commit what would be considered a crime, they have to be prosecuted if they yeah. do the wrong thing. And one bad apple shouldn't mess it up for the entire departments or the entire police departments across across the nation. I think it's more what happens with the courts is is the ba- the main problem. Yeah, I, and 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 I I can see that. Although people will say, yeah, but then there's there, then you have you know another Freddie Gray, then you have another uh, George Floyd who loses their life while it went you know, and then it goes to the courts to be dealt with. Uh, Lamont Johnson, thank you so much. I appreciate your time this morning on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you very much. And I'm going to get your calls on this. I want to hear from you about what you heard, uh, what he had to say. The president being the law and order president, does this help him with independence? Does it help him? you know, sway that group that went for him in 2016? Uh, Or is he going to be held accountable for the riots and the lawlessness? He's the incumbent president. You got Joe Biden coming in going, I'm going to change all this. See this mess? See your building being burned down? I'm going to change this. Trump doesn't have that advantage right now. That happened under his watch for a lot of people feel that. 
Uh, and is there a difference? Well, I, well, I do. I think there's a difference between rioters and, and uh, protesters. And I think a lot of the protesters you have seen in D.C., there was a guy who was uh, chipping up the sidewalk to throw it. And a bunch of the protesters went over, tackled this guy, picked him up and threw him at the police so they could arrest him. So but it's hard for them to police themselves. I want all of your calls uh, and your opinions at 866-408-7669, 866-408-7669. I'm Mary Walter, in for Brian Kilmeade. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to, to your, your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. All right, let's get a couple of quick calls in here on the Brian Kilmeade Show, 866-408-7669. And we're talking about what the president can do uh, it, with because of the rioting. And, and there were calls for him to do something, but yet he wants to send the National Guard in. People don't want that. Um, Muriel Bowser, the mayor of, of Washington, D.C., is now, according to Senator Mike Lee late last night, he tweeted out that she's kicking the Utah National Guard out of hotels in D.C. Um, the president says, you know, I'll send him in if I have to. Majority of Americans say, I like that idea, but yet the cities are saying, no, you can't. Um, And what can the president do? Do you see this affecting the vote come November? And is is it going to be positive or negative for him? Let's go to William in Amarillo, Texas. William, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, sure. I'm doing great. Go ahead. Uh, Here's my deal on that systemic racism when they throw those terms out. You use terms like that, to me, that kind of promotes uh, uh, a racist view on things for the left. They use that terminology to provoke fear. I don't think there's systemic racism in the police force. I've got kinfolk. I've got friends and family that are in it that do a great job. What you have are some bad people sometimes. Yes. You can't weed them all out. Now then, you can train them. Spend that money to train them. And then that, as far as that Black Lives Matter movement, they got that GoFundMe page for that to do all that. Listen, that's all good in three until you need the police. Then what do you do? They need to think about that. Everything. What, and boy, yeah. If you're listening to CNN, if you're listening to those radical left commentators, well, they use that to stoke fear. That's all they've got. Because whether you like him or not, President Trump, the guy's done a pretty good job. You take eight years of Obama and Biden, what the heck did they do? If you were, you ought to have an hour-long program here the next hour. Take calls from Democrats saying, why are you going to vote for Joe Biden? Why are you voting for him? List things that he accomplished as vice president. What they end up doing is they end up telling you names because they can't defend it. Well, you're just racist because you vote for Trump. No, I'm a hard-working. I'm a person of higher character. I believe in having morals. I believe in going to church. Those are all the things, whether you like him or not, that he represents to me. So, you know, and William, you make an excellent right. – I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to get a cu- couple calls in here. You make an excellent point. Thank you so much for that. That, you know, this is, this idea of systemic racism just means that it's pervasive, as he said, in every aspect of the police department. It's not. You have bad actors among human beings. You have good humans. You have bad humans. And I don't think that that is endemic to one color, to one religion, to one, pr- to one gender, to or to one profession. 
And yet we are allowing that narrative to spread. And people, we say, well, we talk and, and we just throw away the term systemic racism. We have to address this. And everybody nods their heads in agreement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's systemic racism. They don't think about what that means and how ridiculous it is. It's ridiculous. I, I, don't, I don't look at anyone in any category. You know, you have bad teachers, but you've got great teachers. I had great teachers. I had one or two that were really bad too, but I didn't judge all teachers. There's a systemic problem in, the, in our education system. I had some great teachers. And I think that is a really, really smart point. Let's quickly get to uh, Jim listening on WHIO in Dayton, Ohio. Jim, good morning. Good morning. Listen, uh, our, our whole uh, society is based upon collective wisdom. And what's happened is that the propaganda has been so thorough and ongoing that people don't even know what they're talking about. If you examine the numbers, which uh, plenty of people have done recently, there is no systemic racism in the police department against black people, none. The statistics actually favor uh, favor the the fact that they've uh, had more difficulty with white people than, than black people. But forgetting all that, this this thing is just a joke. They're talking about what should President Trump do. Well, let me ask you this: if if the if ISIS attacked New York City, what would you expect the president to do? Sit by and let the mayor decide that they're not bad people? <laughs> He'd do something. This is no different. This is just about Antifa. They're trying to physically overthrow the government. It's pretty simple. And anybody that can't see that is a problem. Yeah. You're right. And I've I've said this before and I'll say it again. I made a prediction that um, you th- in, that you'll see in the next couple of years, you're going to see Antifa become a bona fide um, political party. Right now in Washington D.C., there is there is a group that is paint that is painting Black Lives Matter down a road in Washington D.C., very close to the White House, and they have they're being guarded. They're being allowed to do this by the mayor to deface to, uh, a street. And right, Black Lives Matter. This has become a religion to the left. It's the and, and that is the new orthodoxy to them, and and it is based in a lot of of falsehoods. Because you're right, I think that the number last year, and I'm looking to look it up right now, but the number last uh, 2018 was the last number available was uh, the number of unarmed black Americans killed by cops. There's a there's a, a discrepancy about what armed means. You know, like a, is a knife being armed? Six. Six was the number. Six. That's not a genocide, right? So I think I want to have an honest conversation, but it has to be honest. More conversation coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Much of the Black Lives Matter narrative, although I will pick one, is completely false. Um, I will note, I'm a pro-black black man. I think we all oppose police brutality. We've all seen the horrific George Floyd tape. 90-odd percent of Americans want charges. But the narrative that backs defunding the police is based on non-real data. Uh, last year, the total number of unarmed African Americans nationwide that were killed by the police was 15. That's according to the Washington 
Post's police shootings database, which is sort of the gold standard here. And I will note that they had that number as nine until two days ago. I'm not sure what happened there. That was Dr. Wilfred Riley. He's a Kentucky State University professor, Kentucky State being a historically black college. And he teaches, uh, I believe, political science there. And and so you hear the numbers. And so I went to this and there is a disc- discrepancy because I had said six. Uh, according to the Washington Post, uh, American police killed a total of 1,004 people in 2019. Of those, 371 were white, 236 were black. So more white people than black people, more more than 100, all right? So, so you're talking by a significant percentage, like 140 some odd, more white people than black people were killed by, poli- by police. Now remember, some of those shootings include justifiable homicides, justified shootings. So some of them are, some of them include death by cop. Uh, of the 300, they're not, you know, you can't just hear that and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe the police unjustifiably killed those, shot those people. Of the 371 whites killed by police, 20 of them were unarmed at the time. Of the 236 blacks killed by police, the number varies between 9 and 15 because, as you heard, the Washington Post just changed the number. It went from 9, and then two days later it was 15. We don't know why. Uh, And that depends, I guess, on the definition of what armed is, what is is. Uh, But at at current count, at least 17 people have lost their lives as a result of the riots. No one's talking about that. The mainstream media spent approximately five minutes per uh, five minutes over the the course of this the riots per station, um, talking about the the victims of the riots. They're not talking about the victims. They're not they're not going in and talking to these 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 poor people who live in these cities who are watching their cities burn down, who now don't have a grocery store to shop at, who now don't have anywhere to go to be able to get any kind of any kind of clothing or or footwear or or drugs, you know, prescriptions filled, anything like that because it's all gone. And they're the they're the ones who are truly the victims in this. And then you look at the cops who were killed Several of them African American cops, and the and and then the question being asked is not being asked of if their black lives mattered. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'm Mary Walter, sitting in for Brian Kilmeade, and we're discussing the president uh, saying, "You know, I'm a law and order president. You know, I'm 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 going to be the law and order guy." And 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 does that help him? Is that image going to help him? He's not the incumbent. Joe Biden, even though he doesn't have a clean slate, is given a free pass by the left on all of his comments in the in the past that were absolutely racist. That if Donald Trump said he would be out of the White House in a heartbeat, he'd be impeached because he's a racist in, in a second. Uh, his his you know crime bill legislation. He gets a free pass on that. Joe Biden gets a free pass on everything. And I don't know if if the president is going to be able to overcome that combined with the rioting. The other thing I wanted to bring in here was visuals that you saw. Just with just a second, I'll get to your calls. The National Guard and police taking a knee in front of protesters. James Wood tweet, tweeted out a picture of National Guardsmen. I think this is in Hollywood taking a knee, and there's about fifteen of them. 
in front, kneeling in front of protesters where everybody is standing in front of them, you know, looking down on them and taking pictures and everything. And he says, when the United States armed forces kneel to political whims, the fabric of the Republic is torn. This is the beginning of a disastrous, slippery slope. It is also, however, the fundamental basis of the Second Amendment. That visual of cops all over the country taking a knee in front of the protesters. And I'm just curious about how you view that. Some people were tweeting, yes, the cops taking a knee in front of their, what was it, their, um, their people, persons of color masters or something like that. Is it being, do you think it's seen as a sign of weakness or was it seen as, uh, you know, okay, we don't want to hurt you. Let's make this peaceful, a way to deescalate the situation. 866-408-7669. I'll be quiet now. It's your turn. Uh, let's go to Nicholas listening on WABC in New Jersey. You're in my territory. Hi, Nicholas. Hi, Mary. I'm calling. I'd like a slightly different take on this. Um, okay. I, I was always the most ardent supporter of law enforcement, and I basically still am. However, I now have sympathy with the defund the police movement for this reason. I'm old enough to remember when just three weeks ago during the COVID-19 crisis, police officers were not following the Constitution, but being used by mayors and governors to arrest legitimate business owners. There was a, a famous video, I'm sure you saw it, made by a Seattle police officer saying, we should be upholding the Constitution. And that officer was fired. Yep. So for the first time in my life, I was out there saying, yeah, maybe this can unite the, the left and the right. Maybe the police should be defunded. And I trained martial arts myself with a lot of police officers who were very good guys. And they said, you know, you're crazy. And I said, well, where we live, you guys are not really out there arresting anyone. But I see videos all over the country of police arresting legitimate business owners, not following the Constitution. Yep. Maybe police should be defunded. That, that's my point. Thank that you. Is- that is so interesting, Nicholas. What a, what an interesting take on this. I, I because I'm with you. When I saw them doing that, I thought I was shocked. And I I have said this on the air. I'm so shocked at the number of police officers who did not uphold the Constitution, who listened to the whims of a leader. Which I thought we don't have kings. Isn't the left against President Trump's a tyrant? He's a tyrant. Look at what's happening in New Jersey, where you live, where Governor Murphy just extended the 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 emergency into July. It's it's crazy. He's breaking people. He's breaking uh, with just him, him and he, he and he alone has the power or has seized the power to literally determine who lives and who dies because and, and I don't even mean metaphorically. If you have your entire livelihood, your business taken from you and you can't feed your family and you're using your kid's college fund and you lose your store because you can't pay the rent and, and and everything that you've built up taken away from you by one person. There, you're going to see homicides go up. I mean, excuse me, suicides go up. You're going to see drug abuse go up. You're going to see someone who I, I think, and thank, thank God it has not happened, but I think somebody somewhere is going to snap like Michael Douglas and falling down. And it's, it's and they, because they have nothing left to lose. They're taking everything from these people. And these police officers are doing it. They're enforcing that. And I am shocked by them doing that. I get it. You need a job. I understand you're in a tough place, but you took an oath to the constitution. So Nicholas's point, I, I can see it, 
but it, I can't go so far as to say they should be defunded. I just can't at this point, but I, I totally see it. Uh, Kenny in Houston on KSEV. Hey, Kenny. Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me? I sure can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much a Trumpkin. I'm black, and I kind of see both sides of the issue. And from the conservative side, I've even reached out. But what I see a lot is a lot of blame and finger pointing from the right to what the left, the left has championed the issue, whether it's ill-guided or not, which it is ill-guided. They are trying to do something about somebody, which is a, a, a group of people who have a feeling or belief may be wrong or ill-guided, may not be the right statistics or whatnot, but what they are doing is the left is taking charge of that whole issue. What I don't see from the right, what I what I am upset about, is the right simply just stands there and points the blame and says this is what's wrong with. But do something that is right. Take take charge of the issue and make it your issue on the right, and show the left how to do it right, how to, the correct way to do it. And that's where you'll have conservatives, blacks. And more people get behind the right movement and do it in the right way. So, so uh, let me ask you though. Let, let me let me just ask you because this is interesting. So, so you admit though that they may be using lies, the left using lies and using the wrong statistics to perpetrate a myth, to to perpetrate a perception that all cops are bad and that 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 there is a systemic problem in this country of systemic racism and and that African Americans are being slaughtered on the streets so much so to the point where they're afraid of cops and that's why we always hear that's why I ran I was afraid I was afraid. So, so even though they do that, you still think that the, the right needs to play, I, I guess, recognize that somehow and, and, well, and, and ex- acknowledge it? Recognize that, there is, that recognize that there is a concern. What the concern is technology today can manipulate numbers. Regardless, if you see a video and that video touches a lot of people, it hurts people, especially, of, 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 you know, that's black. It's, it's not a good video. That one video can supersede, I don't, you know, statistics. So there is an issue that should be addressed at the core of this whole uh, movement. You're not addressing the issue that's at the core. What you're doing is just saying, okay, well, I see that, okay. Okay, so what's the issue? So what what specifically is the issue that you think should be addressed? Because I want to know, what specifically is the issue? Sure, sure, I appreciate that. The, The issue is these cops do not have a standardized procedure statewide or from one instance to another. I heard somebody say earlier this week that the uh, the uh, uh, with George Floyd, it was a $20 bill or whatnot that was a counterfeit. For one, mm-hmm. the, the t- police should have just took a statement. There is a standard procedure for what you do when you come into a store for a person that has a counterfeit bill. And you don't put them in handcuffs. You take a statement from the store. Do they take any food? Do they buy anything? Do they steal something? Okay. It's over and done with 20 minutes. All that rigmarole that that officer did was not part of the procedure. He ended up killing the guy for no reason. That's, yeah. a, that's, that's just ri- ridiculous. So we all know, understand that. But the, the thing that makes it so hot is the fact that somebody recorded the whole thing and you have it directly so everybody can see it. So regardless of the statistics of how many times it happened, one time is too many. So the left has championed that. 
and they've taken, they, they, whether it's ill-guided or not, or they're taking it in the wrong direction, the right should be on top of that because it's something that won't change. As long as you got mobile phones out here, as long as you got one bad cop on the road that's putting drugs in the back of somebody's car or doing anything and pulling people over, there is no standardized procedures out, outside for these cops to do. A cop on, right. on one day can pull you, somebody over and say one thing, and then the next day pull a different person over and say mm-hmm. a total different thing. So yeah. that's the problem. Yeah, you know, and, and Kenny, I don't mean to cut you short. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you. And thank you for identifying exactly because so many people don't identify anything. They just say, well, something needs to be done. There's a problem. So I appreciate that. But I don't know that there isn't standardized procedures. I don't know that. I, I, I would be shocked if there weren't standardized procedures of this is what you do. And if uh, Derek Chavan did not follow those standardized procedures, you, you, so so I can't make that judgment because I don't know uh, what it is. I'm not a cop, but I would I don't know. I'd find it hard to believe there are not standardized procedures. All right. More of your calls coming up. We'll have to do it quickly. 866-408-7669 on the Brian Kilmeade show. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Just some good news here, and then I'll get back to your call. Steve Scalise tweeting out, the so-called experts were wrong again. They said we'd lose 7.5 million jobs in May, but instead we gained 2.5 million, the largest single month increase in history. Never bet against American workers and Donald Trump. The comeback is happening faster than you think. Now, of course, you wouldn't know that by the um, front of the, uh, what is it, the Washington Post. Let me find it here. The, the cover of the Washington Post says, um, grim milestone to be reached with unemployment rate expected to be close to 20%. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> way to go. And, and the sad thing is, is most people don't read they don't read past the headline. Actually, the president's speaking about this. We could, we're going to bring just a, just a couple little clips here from the president um, uh, speaking today about the jobs number. But this is outstanding what's happened today. Now, they thought the number would be a loss of 9 million jobs, and it was a gain of almost 3 million jobs. Nobody's ever seen anything. I think it was incredible in a couple of ways. Number one, the numbers are great, and this leads us on to a long period of growth, We'll have the greatest, we'll go back to having the greatest economy anywhere in the world, nothing close. And I think we're going to have a very good upcoming few months. I think you're going to have a very good August, very good July, but a spectacular, maybe spectacular September. Well, hopefully we'll have a spectacular September because, again, you talk about helping the communities that need the help. Who was hit hardest by the COVID lockdowns? Minority communities, because they tend to live more in cities, and the, and the lockdowns were far more, um, far more draconian in our cities and in some of those states where you have a lot of large cities, they lost the most. So they have the most to gain from this economy coming back. And we all have something to gain from the economy coming back, especially small business owners. All right, let's get back to your calls quickly here. Let's go to John in Norfolk, Virginia on WNIS. John, good morning. Good morning. 
Um, I've been listening to you on the radio here, and uh, I've noticed something in the last two and a half years, and that is every one of these alphabet agencies that were, they have a policing mechanism within each mechanism. And uh, then I understand that the local police department has something called internal affairs. Yes. Now, if you wish to fish, fix these problems, I think uh, we should eliminate internal affairs at the local precincts and have it go directly to the state and it also be reported to the feds so the state can act on these issues. It gets it out of the good old boy network, plus it gives it time to be reviewed a second time by the federal government. And that would solve our problems with law enforcement. I don't know if it would solve all our problems with law enforcement. Not let me tell you. Let me let me let me just tell you why though. Because I immediately thought, you know, we do the same thing in federal government. You know, they investigate themselves, right? When was the last time anybody you saw anybody actually held to the same standards that you and I are held to when it comes to you know lying to Congress and things like that? Unless you're a Republican, and then then you're held to those standards. So we have a good old boys network there too. I would prefer that people who do the jobs or have done the jobs do the reviews. So. Maybe retired uh, cops, retired um, uh, captains, you know, varying levels of law enforcement from all over the country and have some kind of a board, maybe on a local level, a state level, have that um, and, and have them come from different towns and things who have done the job because it's, it's very easy to tell other people how to do the job when you've never done it yourself. So I can see that, but I would like it better on a state level, kind of like they do with medical review boards. They have medical review boards that do this. It's set up the same way. And you go before the medical review board, and these are people who used to practice. And and then they judge you and how you did the job. So I think I kind of like it that way a little bit better, John. Um, you know what, Doug? I'm really sorry. I don't think I'm going to have time to get to you because I'm running out of time again. Oh my gosh, we're just flying here. There's just so much to talk about. But listen, good news today with the jobs going up. That's fantastic. Adding over 2 million jobs, biggest one month gain in history. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, good morning to you. It's great to be here. I love I love getting to sit in the seat for Brian, and he's taken some well-deserved days off. He's been working very hard. Joining us, Shannon Bream, Fox News Chief Legal Correspondent, anchor of Fox News at night, 11 o'clock Eastern, and the author of Finding the Bright Side, The Art of Chasing What Matters. Shannon, it's always such a pleasure to get to speak with you. Hi. Hey, how are you? Happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday to you, too. Doing just fine. Um, A couple of things I want to talk to you about since you are, I'm going to use your legal mind if you don't mind me picking your legal brain here. There is something blowing up in Washington, D.C. right now. Senator Mike Lee tweeted out at 12.08 in the morning. 
this morning. Just heard that Mayor Bowser is kicking the Utah National Guard out of all D.C. hotels tomorrow. More than 1,200 troops from 10 states are being evicted. This is unacceptable. Now, we know that on Wednesday, Bowser said during a news conference, we are examining every legal question about the president's authority to send troops, even National Guard, to the District of Columbia. Another way to put it is, does the president have the legal authority to request National Guard from other states? I have the authority to request guards from other states. So two questions. Um, I, I thought that she has uh, that, that the president has the right to send the guard to Washington, D.C. Uh, who does have that authority? Do you know? You know what? There has been so much debate over this, but because the District of Columbia is a federal district, it is different than a state. And I think it's very frustrating for leaders here in D.C. because they tend to be very progressive and liberal. And when you have a Republican president in the White House, it's a clash. I mean, over funding issues, over things like the National Guard. Um, I mean, the president has a lot of powers, especially if it gets into a situation um, where he would ensure the Insurrection Act or something else where he can call in the military and do different things. Um, but because this is a federal district, it's different than states where governors can say out in Oklahoma, hey, we need the National Guard, send them in. Um, yeah, so we I got a text from Senator Lee last night and I said, well, can you source this information to us? What can you tell us? Uh, luckily, we were doing an extra hour of coverage as we've been doing this uh, last week or so. And so he came on a little bit after midnight to explain that he had gotten these frantic calls from people connected to the Utah National Guard. Uh, these men and women who were um, deployed on 10 hours notice, left their families, came here had been working overnights guarding uh, the White House area in Lafayette Park. Listen, they don't choose their mission. They may love it or hate it, but they show up because that's what they do. Um, and so they've been working overnight shifts and found out that they were going to be essentially evicted from their hotel where they've been staying because Mayor Bowser reached out to the hotel and unilaterally canceled the contract for them. Now, I think, you know, she may have been on the hook. The city may have been, the district may have been for the fees, and that may have been her take. Listen, I can cancel this contract. They were told they may go over and just sleep at the D.C. Armory, and they said, fine, we're soldiers. That's what we do. But it's clear there's a standoff between the mayor and the president over who really runs this city. So the other question that when I first heard this, you can't, I, I didn't realize about the, the the canceling of the contract, so that's great information to have. And boy, how lucky are you that you were doing an extra hour of your show right. and you just happened to get a text <laughs> from, from Mike Lee. Wow, it was, it was all the pieces fell into place. But I thought you can't discriminate, that you can't tell someone that I'm not going to rent a hotel room to you because I don't like what mm-hmm. you do for a living or I don't like the color of your skin or I don't like women or whatever it happens to be, some immutable characteristic. I don't like the fact that I think you smell. I'm not renting a room to mm-hmm. you. <laughs> I didn't think you could do that. Is her out on this, the fact that maybe they were paying for it? Yeah, I I got the impression, and Senator Lee was still trying to dig and get those facts, but I got the impression that it was something about contracting, because if the district is on the hook for paying for housing for National Guardsmen, then they may have a say about where they stay or who pays for it. Or, you know, it sounded like there was a contract issue that allowed the mayor to take this step. So, you know, we've tried to get information um, from anyone involved with this to know more. But, I mean, what the guardsmen and their leadership said is that she reached out unilaterally to the hotel or someone from her staff and canceled a contract that would have paid for them to stay there. So the folks getting off their 10 a.m. shift this morning would be finding out that they would head to the hotel and have to gather their things and find somewhere else to go. 
That's just ridiculous. Uh, and the other thing, too, is these people who have these hotels, I can't imagine that D.C. hotels right now are booked to the rim. You know, well, I, anywhere, I would think, really, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who wants to go there now? Come on, kids, the, the cut rates in D.C., we're going for vacation. No one right, wants to be in the middle downtown. of... Yeah. So she's depriving these hotels of, of again, making a living. They're just strangling businesses in their cities. And I, I just don't understand where, where the end point is here. What is the game here? And, and the end point of strangling your constituents? Is it because they know that, listen, they're gonna, they've always voted Democrat, they're always going to vote Democrat, so I can pretty much do whatever I want, even if it hurts the businesses in my city, because I can, because they're going to vote for me. Yeah, I mean, you think about that. I mean, there have been so many discussions over the last few weeks about a lot of the areas that have been the hardest hit and struggling with COVID and the businesses uh, and the death and case rates have been much worse than progressive areas because those tend to be blue areas, urban that vote more uh, Democratic. And so by and large, those have been the places that have been struggling the most. And now the double whammy of a lot of those more progressive cities, bigger cities that tend to vote Democrat. Uh, and are run by Democrats, are now having the worst fallout of not peaceful protests, which we all agree are fine, but the criminal looting and um, rioting that have left people dead, that have destroyed businesses. So in these progressive cities, they've had such a tough time the last three or four months. But like you said, I doubt that in many of these cities, people will wake up and suddenly their core philosophy or political philosophy is going to change. Like, oh, let me vote Republican now. I really doubt that's going to happen. I mean, there are some who think, I heard a guy yesterday um, who called in, um, and and he said, uh, listen, I think that there's a chance that Republicans could actually take New York. I think there are enough people here who are so angry about Cuomo and de Blasio that if you ran a really good, solid Republican candidate, I think you could return some of New York to GOP control. So we'll see. I mean, these cities have been devastated by the one-two punch. Um, and whether that changes the underlying political philosophy of the people who live and vote there, although I think we're going to see a big flight from some of these big cities out to the suburbs, we'll see. Yeah, unfortunately, the people who flee the cities move to the suburbs, forget everything that they just fled, and they're like locusts. <laughs> and then they vote. For, that's what happened in Northern Virginia, right? No matter where you live in this country, you know uh, an area that this has happened to. New Yorkers you know, emptied out and came into New Jersey, and they turned New Jersey mm-hmm. blue. And then they leave New Jersey, and they head to the Carolinas and Florida. And what's happening there? They're starting to turn purple because they vote for the same stuff they just left. It's clearly a mental disease. Uh, it has to oh, be. Wow. <laughs> Well, I mean, listen, it's it, and and that side would say conservatives are crazy and have a mental disease because, you know, they just we're just so divided right now on political ideology. And I think for some people, even if they're not thinking about the core issues, they're so dug in now because they're so angry with the other side um, that it's not like, you know, we talk about the times when Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan would go have a drink yeah. or do whatever, you know, have dinner. Um, We're just in a different space now, but everything does go in cycles in this country. And you can look at times that were at the precipice of the worst, most horrible things like the Civil War with hundreds of thousands of Americans killing each other. Um, And, you know, other the Great Depression, other times where it looked like the country would just be ripped apart. And we have recovered. And a lot of times in the wake of that, there's been bipartisan unity about doing what is right for the country and not being all about power grabs for your party. Um, I don't know how we get there from here, but I'm hopeful because we've done it before. Yeah. 
either um, I'm hopeful that it's going to happen or I hope that I'll be dead by the time that they take over. So um, I, I've got a, I've got a 50 50 well, shot. The murder hornets. The murder hornets are coming. So did, we, we skipped know, we the murder hornets. Did we? Did you notice, Shannon, we skipped the murder hornets and went straight to rioting? We did. I mean, I think, but now we're in hurricane season and there's a storm brewing that's causing trouble down in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, you know, there's always going to be something else. So I think that this year is so crazy because normally, you know, we would be talking about the presidential race nonstop right. all day, every day. There would be multiple campaign stops. There would be rallies. There would be position papers like, oh, yeah, we're electing a president this year. Like nobody, it's the strangest election year. Uh, ever, but I, you know, I, one day at a time. Nothing can surprise us anymore. I don't think. No, that's true. <laughs> that, that is very true. Although you never know. I never thought we'd see murder hornets. So yeah, I know, there's... and I hope we won't. I hope they they do not progress across the country as predicted. So far, none on the East Coast. We'd like to keep it that way. Yes, absolutely. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you: Can officers be accountable for their wrongdoing? Can they, can is is there a, a, are they immune from lawsuits? But I think you can sue them civilly, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. There's this whole issue of qualified immunity, this doctrine, this legal doctrine that's come together uh, that protects a lot of um, public servants in their jobs so that they can do their jobs without fear that they're going to be sued all the time. Now, if they're a bad person who commits criminal acts, we all agree, yep, they need to be drummed out of whatever service they're in. If it's a criminal act with a conviction and that has jail time, they need to go. Um, but there's this overarching um, concern that, that has developed over the last several decades uh, that law enforcement officers would not feel comfortable fully executing their jobs, which sometimes include rough behavior and rough situations. Um, if they were worried about being sued every time that they arrested somebody or had to manhandle them to get them handcuffed, I mean, things that most of us would agree, like, hey, that's part of police work. So now, though, um, when we have deaths at the hands of police officers, there is a growing concern and a conversation about, like, okay, where does this qualified immunity end so that families can go after officers um, in addition to whatever criminal charges they may face? So um, there are a lot of cases that are bubbling up to the Supreme Court, and I, given the current environment, I wouldn't be surprised if we um, have a case in the near future that says, all right, where is that line that we draw so that Officers can do their jobs in a way that's lawful and um, difficult often, but when the line is crossed, that they can be held accountable in a way that everybody would agree needs to happen. Yeah, I'm a big fan of tort reform across the board. Uh, You know, look Mm -hmm. at what happens in these states, and we're running out of time here, but what happens in these states, I I look at the ones where we're more egregious, where you have um, lawsuits. I know in New Jersey, there's a lawsuit with that uh, Attilus Jim or Attilus Jim down in South Jersey, where the, the governor came in and had someone change the lock on a private business so that they can't get into their own establishment. I don't understand in what world that's legal. They still have to pay rent on it, but but they actually came in and changed their locks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you know what? The governor doesn't pay even for his own legal bills. I pay for my, for, so I'm going to pay for the legal bills for the governor. And then if these guys get any kind of judgment for loss of services and, and what, for whatever they're suing for, I have to pay for that too. So there's no negative for these politicians. I would love to see some kind of tort reform in this country like they have in Europe. Texas, I believe, has it where loser pays. And I think mm-hmm. that that would solve the problems with these egregious malpractice lawsuits where, you, you know, you, you don't you have to prove you're innocent before they prove you guilty, uh, where you have so many uh, frivolous lawsuits that I think that would really sell, help suss things out on every level 
in in society that we just have too many no offense lawyers um <laughs> uh, that that I, I think just you know run around looking for lawsuits you're, you're seeing ads on tv now for if you took um hydrochloroquine mm-hmm. for for covid and you had any ill effects you can sue so it's too much but anyway we that's that's my two cents shannon thank you so much i appreciate it it is great to be with you, and uh, let's hope that we have a nice, peaceful, quiet weekend uh, and can move forward on these conversations we've got to have. I, I Absolutely, and you can catch Shannon tonight at 11 o'clock Eastern on Fox News at night. Have a fantastic weekend. Take your calls. Coming up, 866-408-7669 on The Brian Kilmeade Show. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. I just want to throw this out there and give you something else to chew on. And then we are going to take your calls at 866-408-7669. This idea of the children, indoctrinating the children. I was talking to somebody who said, "My it's a channel his daughter watches. She watches Nickelodeon. But there's also this apparently Nick Kids, Nick Jr. for the really young kids. Now, this supposedly happened on Nick Jr., but I've seen it. I've seen all the news stories I saw was Nickelodeon. And Nickelodeon at uh, 6 o'clock Eastern time was, and this was, this was earlier this week, went dark. The screen went, the screen went orange with a declaration of kids' rights. Um, it, the programming was interrupted for exactly 8 minutes and 46 seconds, which was reportedly the same amount of time that um, Derek Chavon had his knee on George Floyd's neck. And during that, the declaration of kids' rights came on. And here's what it says. Nickelodeon is going off the air for 8 minutes and 46 seconds in support of justice, equality, and human rights. Nickelodeon declaration of kids' rights. You have the right to be seen heard and respected as a citizen of the world. You have the right to a world that is peaceful. You have the right to be treated with equality, regardless of the color of your skin. You have the right to be protected from harm, injustice, and hatred. You have the right to an education that prepares you to run the world. You have the right to your opinions and feelings, even if others don't agree with them. And they ran that on the screen. That was on the screen in lieu of programming for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And as I was reading this in the background, in my head, I hear my father emerge from the depths of my brain going, you're a kid. You don't have any rights. Sit down and be quiet. <laughs> my father, whenever he was like, well, I have rights. He's like, no, you don't. Go to bed. You know, like, No, <laughs> until you're paying for your own home, you have no rights. And that was the end of that. I wanted to find out, though, from you about are you talking to your kids about this whole thing? And if so, how are you doing it? How do you feel about Nickelodeon putting something like that up there? How do you feel about Lego in in solidarity with Black Lives Matter shutting down their promotional campaigns and marketing for their toy sets that include police officers, firefighters, criminals, and their version of the White House? It's a $100 White House set. Their kids can't get the burger bar fire rescue, the, hel- the police helicopter chase, the police monster truck heist. Can't get any of that. This, was, uh, on, on, this is in uh, regards to the Blackout Tuesday. 
and they're posing po- posting content on their social media. How do you feel about your kids being subjected to that if they're aware of it? Um, they also pledge money, um, but I'm talking about the kids. Big Bird and Elmo are going to address racism in a virtual CNN town hall because apparently Greta Thunberg is busy. Uh, it's, gonna, it's going to air tomorrow. It's going to be called Coming Together, Standing Up to Racism, and it's co-moderated by Big Bird, Van Jones, Erica Hill, and Elmo. Um, the, and of course, Sesame Street released a statement in the wake, wake of the death of George Floyd. I'm a big fan of letting kids be kids. This is adult business. This is not kid business. I view this, and you can disagree with me, as part of the indoctrination of our children into the liberal left. Now, I'm not saying that making your child aware of racism or um, if they ask what's happening on TV, explaining it in words that they can understand. I don't want Nickelodeon doing it for me. I don't want Big Bird, and not that my kids are going to watch CNN, but if my kids aren't watching CNN, why are Big Bird and Elmo there? It's because CNN wants your kids to watch it. That's why. This is aimed at your kids. It's not aimed at adults. This is aimed at your children. I have a problem with toy companies making political statements. And my kids' toys don't need to be woke, all right? And then as an adult, because you're aiming that at me as an adult, and I think there are a lot of adults who are going to be like, you know what? Awesome. Not buying your product. So how do you feel about that? And the other thing, we were just having a conversation on the side here about how when you turn on the TV now before every show, the screen goes black. And then there's like hashtag Black Lives Matter or, you know, something about, uh, about you know, racism in America. And so before I watch my comedy, I have to be shamed about my white privilege or feel guilty about being a racist or being told I'm a racist. Get your calls coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter sitting in the seat for Brian Kilmeade. If you would like to join me, it's 866-408-7669. We were, we were talking uh, off air about Nickelodeon uh, putting the screen orange for eight minutes and 49 seconds uh, in honor of George Floyd. And, then it, and on the screen was a list of kids' rights. As a par- If I were a parent, I'm not a parent, but if I were a parent, my kid was sitting there watching that. You're not watching that again. You don't ha- I decide your rights. Okay. You're a child. The biggest right you have and your rights will increase as you get older, but they only go so far because I'm paying the bills. And I know that's draconian and ancient, but that's how I was raised. And I hated it at the time. But in hindsight, I look back and my parents gave us a really good foundation and we respect authority. You know, if we were, would never be out there protesting anything, anything, because we knew then my parents be like, you want to act like an adult and have all your rights? Okay. You also have the adult consequences. But children should not be involved in this. I think things should be age appropriate. Let, let kids be kids. Lego, not marketing the sets with police officers and firefighters and, and criminals. They have like a little guy with a little bandit mask on. You know, it's cartoon character type thing. The White House. Because, it's because our children's toys need to be woke. And when you turn the TV on now, uh, we were all just talking about how it's just like, ugh, I can't even watch a comedy without first being lectured about racism in America. And I know that that means that because I'm white, I have white guilt, and I'm supposed to feel guilty, and I'm inherently racist. I don't want that. 
So my husband and I, we have so much recorded because we have no life. We're just watching now, like Thanksgiving episodes of shows from last year. So right now we're not having to deal with it. And I will go watch old movies. I will watch, you know, 90 Day Fiance recorded, all that stuff, because I don't want to be lectured when I turn the TV on it every step of the way. And I have news for you. I don't think this is going away anytime soon. It's going to be the new normal. This is going to be the way it is now. There'll be a social justice message on the screen before you dare laugh at a TV show. Because there's nothing funny about this. And there's all these messages. I stopped watching some shows because of the messages in them. Will and Grace, Blackish. I got tired. It's like, I just want to laugh. I want to be entertained. I want to be lectured. 866-408-7669 is the number. I'll let you uh, jump in here. Mike listening on TuneIn. In Texas, Mike, good morning. You are on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Good morning, Mary, and you're doing a fantastic job. And I just wanted to let you know, as a father of four, 33, 24, 21, and 18, in fact, my daughter is graduating today. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, thank you very much. And I have a, a eight-year-old grandson, uh, Children have no rights until they are paying their own bills. But I think part of the challenge, I'm legally blind, and so I see things totally different. Mm -hmm. uh, And I've been forced to see things totally different. That makes any sense. And I I noticed you state that, excuse me, that you had no, no children. I was there for each one of my children's birth, but I will never be able to experience what it's like to give birth. Right. And I think that, that when we talk about what I love about the, the theme is about, uh, based on the facts and you don't condone anything, but if we're going to be honest with all of us, each and every one of us that make up this uh, great country of ours and look at the facts of history, which led us to where we are, we all have some pluses and minuses that got us to where we are. And part of the problem is we don't like to be held accountable for what it is. We'll say, well, I didn't have anything to do with that, but it doesn't mean that you haven't been able to benefit from what was already done. And you could never go and undo uh, wrong. You can only apologize for it, set the standards, set the tone of moving forward, but let's not not talk about it and let's not address the elephant that's in the room and i always found it very interesting that we break up the states between red state blue state but when you put those two states together those colors they come out to purple Mm -hmm. and the ironic and the beauty behind the color purple it represents royal priesthood which leads us back to god and i think that we throw the word of God around like a tennis ball instead of going from top to bottom. It's going to make you say out some days. It's going to make you say thank you some days and reminds us that we're all under grace and no one, no one can say that they're absolutely innocent. So when we remove all the barriers and get to the meat and the heart, you know, looting is not the answer. But if we look at our history, looting has always been a result of getting where we need to be. And when I use this as an example, um, our land was looted from the Native American. 
then the, the, the African was looted from their country to help make up this great melting pot that we have. But then people say, well, if I want to get something done, then maybe I, if I loot, and we know that all that looting are not good law-abiding citizens, but just like you stated in the first hour or the hour that I listened, that the world really is broken down between good versus evil. It's not a Republican versus a Democrat. It's not black versus yes. white. It's not gay versus straight. It's about good versus evil. And and I agree with you, Mike, and thank you so much, and congratulations on your daughter, your daughter graduating. That's wonderful. Uh, yes, there's no one who's perfect. Everybody's got a mix, and some people are more good than bad. Absolutely, everything's a spectrum. But please don't browbeat me for the sins of other people. That's something that I didn't do. I had nothing to do with it. And not every black person in this country is descended from slaves. And I understand that that there are different obstacles that that are that are imposed on all of us. And some people listen, some people are born into wealthy families. God bless them. Right. It's a roll of the dice and the situation into which you are born. And with what you have, people who are good looking have it a lot easier. People who are really athletic have it a lot easier, right? People who unfortunately aren't that good looking, we know they're less likely to get the job if they have the same qualifications as someone who's pretty. Life isn't fair in that sense. And some people have it far worse than others, not denying that at all. But but trying to make everybody feel guilty for what they were born with or born into, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just don't want to hear it every time I turn the TV on. That's just me. Uh, all right, more of your calls. Let's go to Robbie. And yeah, we'll make this quick here. Robbie in Fort Smith, Virginia on WNIS. Hi, Robbie. Hey, good morning. This is Harvey in Virginia. Oh, Harvey. Hey, Pete. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Let me yell at Peter. Peter. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but um, Mary, thank you for taking my call quickly. Yeah. I tell you, to follow that gentleman that just spoke, man, that guy was very eloquent in what he spoke to, and I think it's so, so right. But I think it's a good opportunity for us to sit down and talk to our kids, especially being a man of color, if you will. Yes. Because, I mean, we've, we've come a long way, but we yeah, have so far to go. And just after that gentleman spoke to you, you know, I don't feel that you're being browbeaten, if you will, by things up that you haven't done. But I know, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 60 years old. And I know you see what's going on in this country with black versus white or white versus black. I know you see it every day. Of, of course I see it. And I'm not, I'm not saying I don't. But what I'm saying is let's have a discussion. Let's have an honest discussion. And there is a there is a myth, whether you like it or not, that's being perpetrated. According to the Washington Post, which is a liberal outlet, this doesn't get out there. American police killed a total of 1,004 people in 2019. Of those, 371 were white. 236 were black. And of the 370 whites killed by police, 20 of them were unarmed. Of the 236 blacks killed by police, nine were unarmed. Now, in the last two days, for whatever reason, the Washington Post changed that to 15, but nobody knows why. It depends on definition of armed, apparently. But the, the fact still remains that twice as many whites were killed by police, twice as many unarmed whites were killed by police than blacks. And you're talking uh, nine or ten. So let's just say ten and settle on a middle number there. Ten, ten. That's not a genocide. And that's not systemic and is not endemic of the policing system in this country. 
And I think it's, if we're going to have a conversation, which I think we need, and I don't have a problem with, I want it to be honest and I want it to be fact-based. And I don't, I think right now it's emotion-based and that doesn't benefit anybody. And because it's emotion-based, look at all the minority business owned businesses in our cities that have been burned to the ground and those people have nothing. What good is that doing? It's just not. And I think we need to ask that question. That's all. Thank you, Mary. You have a great day. Thank you. I appreciate that, Harvey. Thank you. I, I, I again, I'm not denying that something happens, but I, 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 until we're ready to sit down and have an honest conversation, I don't know where we go. And as far as the TV shows, yeah, Harvey wants to sit down and talk to his kids about race. Of course you do. I think every parent wants to talk to their kids about stuff, but it has to be age appropriate. And I want to do it. I don't want Nickelodeon putting something on the screen in front of my kids. And these are little kids who are watching this about their bill of rights. I don't think that's that's Nickelodeon's job. I want kids to be allowed to be kids. And you tell them what's age appropriate and what your kids are ready to handle when they're ready to handle it. Don't take parenting away from parents. And I think that's what we're doing. And also, if I want to sit down and watch TV after dinner or during dinner with my husband or whatever, I don't need, let me, let me just have an escape. Will you? Is it too much to ask? That I don't need a, a social justice lecture in, in, you know, for a couple seconds on the screen before I turn on my TV show. That's all. That's all. More of your calls coming up. 866-408-7669 on The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I just have to share this with you because earlier we were discussing, um, you know, these states with these draconian lockdowns and Bill de Blasio and everything. And someone sent me a note and said, one of these days, people in big cities need to wake up and realize there was a very good reason teachers didn't leave the, st- leave the stupid kids in charge when they left the classroom. <laughs> I thought that was just great. So just, you know, just um, talking about, about TV and these kids getting these messages on these shows, on all these shows now, you put it to TV on, and before the show comes on, first of all, it says this was filmed before the, before the uh, pandemic, so that you know that they didn't, they were socially distancing, that they're being responsible. And then you get something about, you know, um, Black Lives Matter or, you know, we stand with Black Lives Matter before the show comes on. And my only beef with it, it's to me, it's like going to a concert and I want to hear somebody sing and they have to lecture me about the president or something. I'm here to listen to you sing. I get it. I'm here for, for an escape. Can I please have that? That's all. And, and just getting how you feel about, you know, the kids being shown this on TV and you as a parent, you know, don't even know it and it's happening. Um, Art on KSEV in Houston, Texas. Art, good morning. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Yeah, good morning. How y'all? I'm doing just great. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm talking about the, my four-year-old grandson and listening to what you said about uh, Big Bird and everything else. And, yeah. and the thing about it is I don't want my four-year-old grandson to be uh, sitting in front of a television with information that he has no clue about. He doesn't watch the news or anything else. He likes to play sports and basketball and swim in the swimming pool at this time of year. And why should they be, while their brains are still trying to get in gear and get older, should be uh, subjected to this type of propaganda that doesn't need to be given by the media. It needs to be given by the parents. And I think good parenting, when the child has questions that you may have seen or something, the parent needs to be the one that's going to lead the way on what my grandson 
is going to need to know. I, I, yes, very well said. We we are we are pushing our children to grow up far too fast, and kids, you know, who who are watching Nickelodeon, who are of that age. I don't feel need to have this thing put on the screen. They're going to ask their parents. And that's the reason they did it. So that they asked their parents, you know, about this. What happened? What was that? Why wasn't the show not on? What's happening? And, and so they asked the parent about it and get the parent to talk to them. Parents should make that decision about whether their child is ready to handle that. And if they are ready, you, there are different levels. You have to tell them in a way in which they explain and with which you're comfortable. It sh- they should not be making this decision. Um, there's a lot of things in life like that that you don't want other people making that decision, what your kid knows and when they know it and how it's explained to them that let parents parent and too much of it's being taken over by the state. Art, thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend from Texas. Let's go to Smithfield, Virginia and Herb on WNIS. Hey, Herb. Good morning. Hey, Mary, as a uh, 13 year veteran of a local school board, they have an awesome responsibility to make sure that material that students are going to be presented is appropriate. Unfortunately, in the home, most parents let the TV do the babysitting, and then they send them off to school to let the schools do the babysitting. Parenting is probably at a low ebb these days compared to back in the 40s and the 50s when I grew up as a kid. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. This should parents, too many parents, not only the TV is my parents used to call the boob tube and we were only allowed to watch for so long. Um, we did not have TVs in our rooms either. My parents would not allow that. There was one TV downstairs and, and we, and you had to figure out a show you all wanted to watch. But um, I also see parents shoving an iPad in front of their kids. Like they're, too, they're in a, they're in a, um, a stroller and the kid starts whining and fidgeting and everything because they want out. So the parent gives them their phone or gives them an iPad with Peppa Pig on it or whatever in order to shut them up. I, yeah, I don't... Parents responsibility wise have forgotten what their God given responsibility is. And also I think they're right. Herb and bless you for serving on the school board. I, that couldn't, could not have been easy. Thank you so much. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's easy being a parent. I think being a parent's hard. I, I don't have children, but I watch my brothers and my nieces and, and nephews and, and saw, saw what they went through to raise those kids. And I know it's not easy and things happen that you're like, no one told me about this. How did I know this was supposed to happen? You know, like, you deal with things that you, there are surprises all the time and it's not easy and it's hard to fight social media. But sometimes as a parent, you have to be tough and and you don't necessarily take the easiest route. But I still don't blame parents for what happened with Nickelodeon and because they didn't know. And Lego, you know, Lego politicizing toys by not putting out certain toys because they don't want to, uh, you, you know, they're not putting out the the cops, the firefighters, the White House or um, or the, the criminals, um, you know, as part of their solidarity with Black Lives Matter and, and Big Bird and Elmo are going to address racism in a virtual CNN town hall. Now, um, I don't know how many people are going to have their kids watch CNN, but this clearly is not aimed at adults. This is aimed at kids. This is a parent's job. Very quickly, Joe on Long Island on WRCN. Joe, good morning. Hi. Mary, good morning. I can't believe you uh, took this topic up because I just, I couldn't believe it. I have a 14-year-old daughter. I have a lot of children. And she just said, Black Lives Matter. And we just, I had no idea that she wasn't being indoctrinated on social media. I said, and I said, all lives matter. No, no, but Black Lives Matter. The cops are killing black. 
Black people. You know what, Joe, Joe, I'm running out of time, only 30 seconds here. Go online, find the Washington Post piece with the statistics from the Washington Post about how many unarmed white Americans were killed in the last year and how many black unarmed Americans were killed in the last year and have a discussion based on facts. It might do her really well. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm Mary Walter. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.